Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. I'm flying solo again this week. Tyler coming home from Hawaii from vacation. His flight was delayed. It was this whole thing. Anyways, late notice. I'm here by myself flying solo this week. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you are on YouTube. Uh, leave us a like. Leave us a comment. Hit that notification bell. If you're listening anywhere else, please leave us a five-star review. Make sure you are subscribed there as well. All that good stuff. There's my spiel for the day. Um, I figured we could start out this episode talking about everything that the Steelers did really well on Sunday against the Chiefs. Okay, now that that's over, let's talk about everything that they did very poorly, which is pretty much everything else. Uh, Offensively, defensively, Chris Boswell even missed a kick. Nothing went well in this game, start to finish for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Opening script, awful, of course. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, We talked about it pretty much every single week. You know, I I understand that the personnel um, isn't great. But Matt Canada is just way in over his head, in my opinion. And there might be some different opinions on this, obviously. And and I'm willing to hear everybody out. Everybody has an opinion. But when I when people's argument about Matt Canada is that it's just because the quarterback doesn't have mobility, that's what he needs for his offense to succeed. I'm just not willing to accept that from an NFL offensive coordinator, personally. I think that he should be able to make do with the personnel that he does have. And we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole right now when, you know, he should just be able to tailor an offense to the strengths of what we do have. Zero touchdowns in five consecutive games in the first half. That's atrocious. They've also trailed by 17 points, five games of their last 19 going back to last season. That happened only five times in Ben Roethlisberger's previous 250 games. Everything is bad right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There is so much blame to go around here. I don't think everybody wants to just try to find one thing or one person to blame. No, I mean, you can divvy that up everywhere, wherever, wherever you want to put it, because it can go everywhere. Top down. That includes ownership. That includes the GM, that includes the entire coaching staff, including the head coach. There's like this weird thing on Twitter right now 
And there, it seems like this is after every loss where it's like, can we blame Tomlin yet? I, who, who's not? Like, I, because my timeline, every time that I open up Twitter, is blaming mainly Tomlin. So I want to know who these people are following that say this, that are like, that think Tomlin's completely been absolved of blame. Within the organization, that's harder to say. And I don't think anybody knows, you know, more than any one person what's going on behind those doors. Um, you, everybody thinks that they have an idea because of the Steeler way, right? But what is actually going on behind closed doors? I, I don't know that we'll get that answer. The one thing that I can say that we do know, just because of repeated history here, is whoever is going to be the next offensive coordinator, the next defensive coordinator, they cannot be, in my opinion, just promotional in-house hires. We've seen it far too often, and that's how you have no fresh ideas, no creativity. It's just the same stuff over and over again. It can't happen. We already know that the offensive line coach, Adrian Clem, is departing after the season going to Oregon. And when you have pretty much across the board on the offensive line, nobody really show any improvement. I'm, I'm not upset about this. I mean, it's a little disheartening that we're talking about a guy departing after just one season when the previous coach, Son Surrett, didn't last long either. Why has there been so much turnover in that spot since Mike Munchak? I don't know. You know, and I know that, again, it comes down to personnel not being there as well. But there's been really no growth there. No cohesion. They're, in my opinion, the worst offensive line in football. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think that there's just a real quick fix. You know, hey, let's draft Tyler Nebaum out of Iowa, who's a fantastic player. I love that. That That's not going to fix everything for this team, though. <sighs> that's just the offensive line. And I actually have a question for you guys as it pertains to the offensive line. When you are so bad across the board, can you go into next season with any guys that are just sharping in as a starter? That includes, you know, Kevin Dotson, who we've seen play pretty well, but also, you know, when he went down with that ankle injury, it wasn't like he was playing well before it. What's he going to return like? We'll see. But I want to know what you guys think about that. Do you guys think that Kendrick Green should get a crack at guard? Because it's, it's not working out at center. It can't. You can't go into next season with him as the starting center. You just absolutely can't. Dan Moore, has he shown you enough at left tackle? Was a fourth-round rookie to, to be given a shot there next year? It'll be interesting to see. What do you do about Zach Banner? These are all things that need answers that are part of the reason that we're sitting here today having this conversation because the Steelers, this is the, the way of addressing the offensive line this year was atrocious. I don't know how you looked at the makeup of this team and expected Ben Roethlisberger behind this offensive line at 39 years old, spending a first round pick on a running back in Najee Harris and thought these guys would be able to succeed with those guys protecting them. It just baffles me. 
as somebody that very rarely feels like they need to question the organization from a a drafting standpoint and evaluation standpoint i i don't know how you're not right now that's why i say top to bottom you can put blame everywhere we haven't even touched on the defense yet and I, and we will in the next segment but there still is a path somehow this team is 7-7 seven, seven and 1 you know it seems like it's all doom and gloom but there's still a shot for this team to make the playoffs it's crazy that it is to say i think that says more about the state of the AFC North and the AFC than it does the Pittsburgh Steelers because there's just so much mediocrity in this in this conference in this league really this year we'll talk about that this is Smitty. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. What more is there to say about the Steelers' offense? They're putrid across the board from a personnel standpoint, from a steam standpoint, play calling, everything about this offense. Throw it away. There's some redeeming qualities there. Obviously, you have Deontay Johnson. You have Najee Harris. You have Pat Fryermuth. Chase Claypool, from a talent standpoint, you hope he can put it all together. At 39 years old, I don't even think Ben Roethlisberger has been the biggest problem, and I think that that is the biggest problem, is he should be the weakest link, if you will, of that offense and should just have to be a facilitator, game manager at this point. But they're still asking way too much of a 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, and that's the biggest issue with this offense is because the offensive line is not good enough to take that burden away from him. Let's flip the script, though, because we could spend all day talking about this offense, and we have. Whether it be on this show, on social media, so much time has been spent talking about this offense. I think the defense, how bad they've been, has gotten more attention recently, but they needed to be the strength of this football team, and we knew that coming into the season. They needed to be probably like a top 10 unit with what we expected from the offense in order for this team to compete, and they clearly haven't done that. The biggest issue 
in my opinion, is a lot of the depth pieces from last year became starters and the depth wasn't replenished. Now, you have to take into consideration, I think, a little bit the pandemic, how it played into this because the cap dropping, right? But the Steelers were still sitting on money that they decided not to do anything with when there were clear weaknesses. I, I said we were done talking about the offense, but obviously on the offensive line and also looking defensively, They've they've known for a while, in my opinion, and they just have been just so hush hush about it. And I am very sympathetic to the situation, but they've had to know for a while Stephon Tua wasn't coming back. Tyson Alualu goes down. The depth wasn't great in the corner room. Obviously, the middle linebacker situation. They went out and got Schobert, but that hasn't paid the dividends that they had hoped. And they chose not to do anything for the most part. We'll see if there's anything there with Montrevious Adams, literally at least from an athletic standpoint, really good athlete, quick get off the ball. We'll see what he looks like. Obviously, they, they want to bring him back, I assume, next year, at least in camp and compete for a spot. But, man, it is frustrating to think about the fact that this is, you know, one last run for Ben, and this is the roster that they put together for that to happen. And it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be this way. Taking into consideration what I just did, I wasn't trying to absolve them of any blame, but taking into consideration what I did with the salary cap dropping the way that it did, they still had the money and they still had the draft picks to address this. And instead, love Najee Harris, but they spent a first round pick on a running back with no offensive line to block for him. They spent a second round pick on a tight end, which I love Pat Fryermuth, but with the offensive line they had, bit of a luxury pick. And then the third round, you finally decide to address the offensive line, and they take a guy to play center and Kendrick Green, who had four starts at center in college, primarily a guard. And I think that we're seeing that right now. Would a move back to guard benefit him at all? Obviously, it would take away the snap issues, but the hand placement's been bad. I... I'm not writing him off completely by any means. He's played 15 games in his NFL career. But what we've seen right now is enough to tell me that he can't be the starting center, at least, going into next season. If you want to give it a shot at guard, and because of the draft pick that you put in to acquire him, the draft capital that it took, I think you have to, then by all means. But he cannot be the starting center next year. Back to the defense. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. Every time we talk about the offensive line, I feel like that can happen. Defensively, though, they have not been nearly as good as they needed to be this year. Two times since November, they've given up 200 yards rushing, and they've come close a few other times in a game. That's pitiful. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, think about that. Just historically, what this team prides itself in has completely gone away. Not only is that no longer the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have no idea what their identity is. I don't know if they know what it is. Do they have one? It's it's really bad. You know, and at least, <laughs> hey, from a, a scapegoat uh, side of things, Devin Bush didn't play in this game, and they were still atrocious defensively. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know. There's not one quick fix here. 
there's definitely some pieces that they have. Obviously, you have TJ Watt, you have Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. Cam Hayward's getting up there in age, but he's still playing at a very high level. You know, what else do you have on this defense that you feel really comfortable with? I would be okay if they brought Terrell Edmonds back as a running mate with Minka Fitzpatrick, which might not be a popular opinion on here. What do you about do about the defensive line? That's a huge question going into next year because Aluwalu's age and that injury, the whole Stefan to it situation. How do you address this? Is that where you invest in the draft? Is it along the defensive line? Early, I should say, because they got to do something that they have with the draft picks they have, yeah. They're gonna address it at some point. I want to leave the Steelers talk alone with this one final question for everybody to answer in an ideal situation for the Steelers. Who is the player that they take in the first round? Who is the position that they take rather? I don't want to get harped in keen and on one certain guy because if that ties off the board, it's a, it's a new point. Is it worth taking a shot on a quarterback? Not just because it's people consider this a relatively weak quarterback class, but just because you want to put a rookie quarterback behind this offensive line, now not adding a first another first round talent, you know, to it. How different can this offensive line look through free agency slash draft picks that aren't a first rounder? And is it worth it? What about the corner room? If Joe Hayden's not back, you know, and do you want Joe Hayden back? There are so many questions about this team, but it all, you know, I'm all bringing it back to in an ideal situation. What position are you seeing the Steelers addressed first in the 2022 NFL draft? I, I think that there's a case for pretty much anything besides running back tight end. Obviously I, I still wouldn't say receiver, even though they need to add somebody there that can take the top off. Um, beyond that, you can make a case for anything in my opinion. And that just goes to show you I've, and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here or anything. There's a ton of people that felt this way. I never felt like the Steelers were going to be as good this year as many people expected just because I thought there were way too many holes on the roster. I thought the defense would take a step back and the offense would need to be better. That obviously hasn't happened. I don't know that they can fix this in just one offseason. So buckle up. Being a Steelers fan has been awesome. And it's still going to be awesome, but it's going to test a lot of people's fandom. I think what we could potentially go through hitting on the next franchise quarterback is going to be the one big thing that's going to how quickly can this team get back into contention? And that's much easier said than done. It doesn't just happen just because you take a guy in the first round means absolutely nothing. So even if they were to draft a guy like keeping Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh means absolutely nothing until he goes out there and proves that he can be the franchise guy. If they wait a year, maybe they go bridge quarterback and wait a year on a guy. Wait till the 2023 class to try to take their next shot at quarterback. Probably my preferred route. We'll see. 
But let me know in the comments what you guys would like to see them do. It's going to be an interesting offseason. We'll see how much turnover there is. You'd think that there has to be some, right? I mean, at least the coordinators. We know Adrian Clem's going to be gone, so who's who's the next offensive line coach? I think that's a pretty big hire as well. Like Positional coaches, you know, I feel like they kind of fly under the radar. But for this team, hiring the right guy to be the next offensive line coach is going to be a massive thing. We'll see what happens. Let me know in the comments what you guys think. Who's your ideal pick? And I mean from a positional standpoint, not necessarily keying in on one certain player for the Steelers to attack in the 2022 NFL draft. Other than that, I will be right back to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Haven't been playing a bunch of hockey recently with the season going on pause. They went on holiday break early uh, with COVID situation. There's been cases popping up across the board everywhere. The Penguins themselves actually added a guy to the COVID list. We will talk about all of that when we come back. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. Let's talk about the Penguins to wrap this thing up, as always. Uh, right now on break, so not a lot of game, not any games to talk about when it comes to the Penguins with them going on holiday break early. They took a vacation just like the whole podcast network took a vacation last week. Um, the NH- and, and also, they're not going to be playing in the Olympics any NHL teams, any NHL players, I should say, will not be participating in the Olympics. So that's when these games are going to be made up now is over that would-be Olympic break. Um, so the Pens were scheduled originally to return to play on Wednesday, but the Leafs have 13 players currently on the COVID list or in COVID protocol, including both of their NHL goaltenders. The Penguins just added Evan Rodriguez yesterday. But that they would still be playing if, you know, the Leafs situation wasn't as bad as it was, I guess. The NHL really needs to figure this situation out, though, because the NFL is still going. The NBA is still going without postponing games. I think that the biggest thing here for the NHL is how much of the league, the percentage of teams that are playing in Canada. That has to be it, right? Because these other leagues are going on, you know, without a hiccup, really. They've postponed games but they've been made up days later i don't know what what the answer is i think they need to probably relax protocols i'm not here to get into a debate about the virus or anything like that but you're looking at what these other leagues have done and they're taking into consideration the fact that this new variant is spreading very rapidly however the symptoms they're very much at a, a lower level than what we've seen from the coronavirus original and the Delta variant, et cetera, et cetera. The NHL needs to figure this out because we can't keep doing this. This just isn't a solution at all. They need to have some type of actual real solution in order to be able to get these games played. 
if we're just going to be case counting and postponing games when guys pop up because they tested positive for the virus, we're never getting past this. I think the one silver lining for the Penguins here, though, is the fact that Gensel, Rust, and Gino, they're getting closer. They're getting healthier while these games aren't being played. The next time the Penguins play a game, those guys are going to be pretty close. And there will they won't have and the Penguins are also right now <laughs> still riding a seven game win streak whenever they will play again. They're scheduled to play New Year's Eve Friday against Ottawa. But again, when you take into consideration these Canadian teams, does that game even get played? If not, they're back at home Sunday, one o'clock against San Jose. So that's January second. At that point, when when was the last time the the Penguins played a game. It seems like it was forever ago, right? This honestly feels like it's been an offseason. The last game they played was December 19th against the Devils. You're talking about a few weeks here of not playing hockey and then all of a sudden being asked to continue a seven-game win streak. It's just not sustainable. The league can't do this. We'll see what the solution is but it's got to be something. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors within the, that league right now, but you'd have to think that there has to be some type of solution here. Let's talk about the actual team, though. Penguins, who, like I said, they're on a seven-game win streak, kind of humming on all cylinders right now, playing Sullivan's scheme, his system to a T. This is, in my opinion, as good of a defensive team as we've seen under Mike Sullivan. And it's obviously the system plus the personnel. But I this is, again, where people ask me, how good of a coach do you think Mike Sullivan is? I think right now is like where you find out your answer, what this team's doing right now, what this team's capable of doing, even without its superstars. He doesn't need superstars to play within the system for it to work. And that's why I know when Gina comes back, it's going to be a massive topic. You know, is he going to ruin the chemistry or ruin what they have going on right now? He's going to have to buy into the system. And those things, you know, valid or not, they need answered. What's Gino going to look like when he comes back? We're not talking about a young Gino either. Pretty, you know, extensive surgery that he had done as well. What does a 35-year-old Evgeny Malkin look like coming off that knee surgery? We're going to see. My bigger question is how do the lines shake out with everybody healthy? (laughs) With everybody healthy, like that's ever going to happen for the Penguins, right? But I just mentioned Evan Rodriguez a little bit earlier. Can you take him off that top line, you know, and have Jake and Rust flank and sit again like we've seen? I don't think so. I think I'd keep Evan Rodriguez there at least to start and see how things work. I would put, you know, Russ down with either Gino or Jeff Carter. And then, you know, because I, I'm not sure what Gino and Kapanen would look like together. I think that's where some of those questions about how can they play Sullivan's defensive structure have some validity if Gino and Kapanen play together. 
So if you play Russ there, tapping it down the third line with maybe Carter and Zucker, have Heinen play second left wing with Gino and uh, Rust. And then we know the one consistent, as long as they're all healthy, is going to be Bluter, McGinn, and Aston Reese. So they're shutdown unit. They're a massive reason why the penalty kill is as good as it is. Those guys, along with Tristan Jari, who I can't say enough about, rebounding from the pitiful playoff performance that he had. Hopefully Casey DeSmith continues to trend the way he has and take some of that load off of Tristan Jari. The defense, you know, they're not contributing as much offensively as I'd like to see. I, I still want to see John Marino take that next step offensively to show that he is, you know, the incumbent guy when Chris Letang is done. But from a defensive standpoint, John Marino has definitely taken that next step. We're seeing his minutes being added on the penalty kill. He's playing as much as any other defenseman on the penalty kill. He's a legit top four guy now. There were some questions, obviously really good rookie year. I think that there were some questions after last last season, but he's answering them. Him and Marcus Pedersen are really good together. Then even that third pairing, whether it's just Sullivan's utilization of them, he's you know perfect deployment or what, but he's pushing the right buttons in terms of minimizing <laughs> the Mike Matheson, essentially, because I, I really like Chad Ruido. I trust him. I think that he's a solid you know, guy that can be a fifth or sixth defenseman every single night. I think he's worthy of being in the lineup as opposed to a press box. But Mike Matheson, the roller coaster that he is, you know, he can skate out of any situation. He can also skate himself into terrible situations. He's a roller coaster. Um, but under Mike Sullivan, he's able to limit that enough where he's still a relatively effective player. And that's much more of a credit to Mike Sullivan than it is to Mike Matheson, in my opinion. We see the highs. We see the lows. We see the risk. We see the reward. He's pretty much exactly the player that people think Chris Letang was. You know, years ago at Chris Letang's peak, I would say. He was, (laughs) which, by the way, the lows were never that low for Chris Letang. But. How do you guys think that this lineup shakes out when everything is healthy, when everyone is healthy, when everything is is going for the Penguins? Assuming that that ever happens. Does Evan Rodriguez stay on the top unit, top line with Sid? Potent, probably Jake on the left side. Or are you okay with them just reuniting Sid, Jake, and Rust and dropping Evan Rodriguez back down wherever he can be? Because we know that he can do it. He's the Swiss Army knife of this team. He's Sullivan's utility man. But is that what you would do? I mean, Evan Rodriguez, the way that he's played on that top line. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it unless everybody comes back and things just really aren't working. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, as will everything. I say. I feel like I always close out everything by saying it'll be interesting to see because it truthfully will be. For the Penguins, for the Steelers, are we ever getting baseball back? We'll see. <laughs> uh, either way, the next time um, that we talk to you guys, Tyler will be with me. Uh, the Pens will have hopefully played some hockey to talk about, and we'll have a uh, more clear answer on what's going on with the Steelers as well. Two games left for them. Still in the playoff mix somehow. Uh, but other than that, I think that's going to do it. Uh, the last thing that I really want to talk about, 
not necessarily sports related, but just related to around the four one two. With rocking around the four one two, which obviously is a Christmas mission. So with Christmas passing, which I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, by the way. Um, just one final recap for you guys. Um, clearly, easily our best year that we've had to date with the mission raised ten thousand one hundred seventy eight dollars. That's 170 different people donating. 30 different kids had their Christmas completely taken care of across 13 families. Those numbers are insane to me, for lack of a better word. When we started this mission and raised $1,500, I thought that was great. Next year, raised uh, somewhere between 3500 to 4000 Raised 5300 last year. Nearly doubled that this year. You know, everybody wants to give Tyler and I so much praise and credit for for starting this mission and doing what we do. But I mentioned that 170 different people donating. That's where that money's coming from. You know, we put it together. Sure. I delivered the gifts. I ordered the gifts. We do the, you know, prizes for people that donate. But the money that goes to providing the families with the Christmas that they deserve, that's coming from you guys. And that's why it, it, it's so heartwarming is because in a time where otherwise it would be a lot of heartbreak hearing the stories from some of these kids and going to these houses and seeing just their situations, knowing the Christmas that they would have otherwise, it's just it's so heartwarming to see 170 different people want to help us help them. It's the best thing that we do. It's my baby. I'm sure Tyler feels the same way. I don't like to talk for other people, but I think in terms of this, I feel like I can. Nothing, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm running out of words to say about this, but I don't see a way that anything other than like, you know, my family, whoever be more important to me. That's how much this thing means to me. I'm ready to get rolling for next year. I don't, I don't kick the thing off until July. Cause we do it like a Christmas in July uh, launch type thing, but I'm ready to get rolling. I already had somebody reach out to me about donations. Rocking around the four one two year four was a massive success. And it's all thanks to you guys. So you can hang your hat on that. You're part of something much bigger because of this. We all are. So thank you to everybody that donated, shared the mission anyway that you were involved. Can't thank you enough. You have a massive piece of my heart. Other than that, I think that's going to do it. That was enough of a spiel. You can see all the pictures and stuff on our Twitter. I've been posting them. Like I said, 30 different kids and 13 different families. You can go check out them opening a lot of their stuff on Christmas Day uh, on our Twitter at around the 412. Other than that, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like. Leave us a comment. Hit that notification bell. All the content that you need in terms of Pittsburgh sports can be found right here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. That includes all the other podcasts. So give them a listen or watch whatever your preferred choice of consuming them are. If you're listening somewhere else other than YouTube, please leave us a five-star review and make sure that you're subscribed there as well. Other than that, it's been Smitty. I will be back with Tyler next week. Look forward to that. Look forward to talking about some more Pittsburgh sports. And until then, we'll see you guys. Bye-bye.